everybody, welcome to episode 92 of Literary Disco, The Kidnapped Christmas Bride. Today's episode is a twofer, a Christmas-themed book for the holiday season, and our first ever romance novel. The Kidnapped Christmas Bride is written by Jane Porter, and apparently is part three in a series entitled The Taming of the She-Hands, but it also functions as a standalone. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me, as always, are novelist and critic Todd Goldberg and essayist and radio personality Julia Pistel. Hey, guys. Hello. Merry Christmas. Oh. 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 Happy Hanukkah, Todd. Yeah. Thank you. Thank How you. Was it? I had a lovely Hanukkah. Um, I didn't get to celebrate it at all. I was... Um, I was at my MFA residency where I was joined by Mr. Strong and his lovely wife, Alex, um, for a couple of days. So I didn't feel right, you know, sitting in class with a lit menorah, crying about my dead mom. So we didn't so really celebrate Hanukkah. Well, Wendy um, sent me a picture of the lit menorah every night. So that was good. Um, and I was around a lot of Jews because, you know, it was a writer's thing. So there's a lot of Jews there. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I'm a I'm a guy who celebrates Christmas. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say do you guys do the Christmas tree and all that. Yeah, we got we got the whole we got all the Michigas. We got the tree. No, so this is the important question. We are Christmas Eve people, in terms of present opening. Where do you guys Ooh. fall? Well, uh, we're trying to define our Christmas traditions right now because we've got the the baby who's turning one on December twenty eighth. So this is our first like set the traditions, and we've already have been back and forth. I mean, I just don't want to be like one of these ridiculous present families because when I was growing up, my parents would kill themselves giving us so many presents. And I actually remember like just being a greedy little fuck on Christmas oh, yeah, morning. Me too. You know, like I just, oh, yeah. Yeah. I just yeah, yeah. hate, I remember being like six and like just at all being about the presents and meh. And I'm like, I don't want my son to ever feel that way and so i want to keep it special um so i don't know I, we haven't quite decided what to do because of course he's not going to remember this year anyway but both sets of parents are coming in we're going to do Aww. a christmas eve dinner like a big christmas eve dinner because that's alex's family tradition and then and india is the india's the first grandchild in both families right? yeah exactly okay so all the grandparents are both sets of grandparents are coming to us which is nice that you know they were yeah. around last year too uh, right, right before he was born um so it's nice that we're not going to have to travel because, you know, before Indy, we had to split everything between the coasts going from family to family, which is just the worst. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm not sure what we're going to do. I think we'll just start a Christmas Eve dinner. And you know what we did in my family? We got to open one present on Christmas Eve. Me too. And it was always pajamas <laughs> or like a robe or the, something for the, the night. The worst present. The, yeah. let, let's examine that. Pajamas and a robe. That's, that's yeah. not a gift. What? That's something that when you're a kid, you basically sit in with... You know, and spill your Cheerios and your milk on. It's basically a walking petri dish. But if they your were parents have given you walking to something dish. we like, yeah. you know, like if we were going through oh, a GI yeah. Joe phase and they were like GI Joe pajamas, we would be excited. That sounds awesome. That's true. Six. That's so. true. I, I did have a shitload of Star Wars um, uh, pajamas. Yeah, That's and don't you wish you had kept them? Because now they're probably yeah. worth. I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I had a Star. I had Star Wars pajamas, and then I also had. A robe that I don't think it was meant to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi robe, but it was just a brown robe. And so I used to wear the shit out of that robe and be like, Luke. Well, I guess it's Darth's voice. Whatever whatever Obi-Wan's voice was. Use the force. I'm out. Strike me Luke, down I am now. British. Um, I will become more so, powerful than you could ever imagine. Yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> so I would... I would walk around as Obi-Wan a lot. The, the least exciting Jedi. <laughs> we just did a... Craig and I just started in a sketch show uh, for, about Star Wars, and I was Leia, and he was Obi-Wan, and wow, he was really into it. <laughs> <laughs> and I take it you weren't. Well, this, this could be a long tangent, but, like, I mean, I'm fine with Star Wars. I like Star Wars. I like Leia, but... It's it's well, one of those weird things where like the culture does not lock in for me in the way that it does for ninety percent of other people. So, you know, yeah. I'm not like, oh my god, Obi Wan, but uh, <laughs> some people are. Well, I don't think anybody's that way about Obi Wan. Yeah, <laughs> he's the, I think Obi Wan is one least... of those like tolerated mentor figures. He's not really the one anybody's super excited about. You know. All 
also, it's kind of like Luke, right? Like, no one's super stoked on Luke. Like, oh, as no. a kid, no one was like, I get to be Luke Skywalker. It's like, well, yeah, okay, he's the whiny one that you put up with to hang out with Han and Leia. Han, right. Leia, and some droids. Yeah. Yeah. Luke was only really cool in the first one, I guess. No, and then after that, no. like... Return, er, no, Return... Em- no. I guess he was whiny then, too. Oh, yeah. I don't want to go. Empire. You know, I gotta go to Tasha Station for the power converters. Okay, we're yeah. really... We're really diverting here. It doesn't help, really, that Mark Hamill may be one of the five worst actors in American history. Wow. Well, That's uh... True. Great voice actor. But I loved he does it. a lot of cartoon voices. And he was good in Corvette's Summer. So, for he, Christmas traditions in my house... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, totally, just jump in. We gotta got uh, go back. We have to restack the Russian doll here of this non-conversation. Right. <laughs> uh, we always did... This so literary-based conversation. We always <sighs> did one present the night before, and it could be anything. Uh, and you could pick one, I guess, from under the tree. But my, obviously, a big present was never an option. And then, I mean, I strongly believe that presents should be on Christmas Day because then you want to use them and play with them and read your books and stuff. I think it's weird to open your presents and then immediately have to go to sleep. That's crazy to me. Well, we we have Christmas Eve dinner. And, I mean, it's just me and Wendy. So it's just the two of us. Right. And then we open our presents at night. Cause I, well, the other thing is I really like Christmas lights and the shiny stuff. And so I like to open presents under the glowing christmas tree and everything and the house is all decorated um so and then i like also knowing that the next day is still christmas um i don't know because you know that there's a point on christmas day where it's like two o'clock and you're like oh the season's over and and then just i mean i fucking love that's when you start drinking heavily yeah that's how you keep the, the christmas cheer going that's when the red breast comes out. Or oh, if you've been kidnapped breast. by your ex-con ex-boyfriend. Oh, my God. Let's yeah, we should talk about this it. book. <laughs> so, okay. So, um... Well, we've been wanting we, to do a romance novel for a long time. Because it's yeah. something our listeners have asked us to do, and it's the genre we've never quite tackled. And this right. is the first romance book I've ever read. Yeah, I mean, I think the closest I've ever read is, um, God, I don't know, like, Gone with the Wind or something. But that's not even a romance. I mean, that's... I read Fifty Shades of Grey. You mean, like... considered romance? I, I oh would God, say I that's the romance, of Grey kind movie. of. That's, like, pure just, sex, though. I thought there would be more sex in this book, because I associated romance with All right, sex. let's let's have... Oh, let's we'll get have, to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, we, we haven't read a, a romance novel. So, my lovely wife, Wendy... Uh, used to be a book critic of romance novels. She and um, two friends ran a very popular uh, website called Paperback Reader where they reviewed contemporary romance novels. So I asked Wendy if she could uh, refer a romance to us, and she hasn't been reading romance in about nine years, so she said no. And so she referred me to um, several romance writers who are friends of ours who shall remain nameless, to give us recommendations of a good Christmas-themed romance novel. And here's the thing. Romance novelists, like, they put out standalone Christmas novels every year. Like, it's a thing in the romance community to have, like, a romance anthology where five or six different writers write long, short stories about Christmas. Or individual writers put out Christmas-themed books every year. So it's, like, it's a subgenre within the subgenre. Yeah, I didn't realize it either. So... (laughs) Um, our friends sort of unanimously picked the uh, the Christmas books of the Sheenans, and there's I think there's three, and thought that we would enjoy the Kidnapped Christmas Bride, Taming of the Sheenans, book three, by Jane Porter. I'd never heard of Jane Porter prior to buying this book, but she is a USA Today and New York Times bestselling author. She has sold over 12 million books. Um, her One of her books was made into a Lifetime movie starring Heather Locklear. Um, she has an MA in creative writing from the University of San Francisco. She, uh, at least according to her author photo, seems very happy. So that's good. Um, a bit Apparently she's like a huge romance novelist. I've never heard of her, and she's probably never heard of any of us so that all things being equal it's probably just fine um 
So they thought we'd like it. They thought this was a good example of a romance novel and a Christmas romance well, novel. Well, hold on. Let me ask a very important question. Did they think we'd like it? Like, actually think that this was or a good example? Or would they like us novel? talking about it? Yeah. You're right. Or did they think, just well, know that this was sort of the typical, like, bad crap that gets pumped out and that um, they would therefore make fun of it? or ha- Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, is, is this an animorph was, situation? This that was not that's clear to me. However, so I don't think any of these people actually listen to the show, okay. but they do know me, and I can imagine sort of a conversation between them where they'd say, "Oh, you know what Todd would enjoy? The romance novel where the murderer uh, gets out of jail, kidnaps a kid and a woman, and they have Christmas." I, like I could see that conversation taking place, yeah. um, but I don't know. Uh, you know, and this is apparently a very popular series. Um, I found this book so fascinating. I, I, I like, I mean, it's, it, let's just, it's horrible. But what I, <laughs> what, like reading it was a genuinely pleasurable experience. Like I just could not, it, it's like I couldn't stop, like I couldn't close my mouth because it just was so weird to me. And there's so much going on that I was like confounded by that I don't understand. And that there's, I just have so many questions about romance novels like I just, I just didn't know what they were and now I feel like I need to read more I need to dive deep what what is going on yeah the, if I can I don't I mean I don't want to slip into hyperbole but this might be the dumbest book I've ever read <laughs> and, and yet and yet I too sort of just devoured it because I, I as each page turned I was like what wildly improbable unbelievable shift in emotion can yes. happen on this page i know it's astounding and like how just how do you write something like this and, and like <laughs> why why do you read something like this? it's really yes. confusing me like 50 shades of gray i was horrible right and it was poorly written but i get it it's like it's about sex like it's just but this like I don't know what what the fantasies that we're catering to, like I the whole concept know. of like romance Christmas fantasy, was so weird to me. And the gender issues and like, well, oh, I was don't so think fascinated that, by it all. If I may, my main question is, <laughs> why is this a book? It's <laughs> it seemed like something. It seemed like a story I could tell in one to two sentences. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, but like, yes. what, this is enjoyable for people. Like, this is something that, like, that's what I don't understand. Who is the person that reads these books and and wants to read the next one? Like, I'm so fascinated by that person and what they're looking for. Yes, Todd. Julia, why don't you why don't you briefly, Julia, explain the plot of the kidnapped Christmas bride, Taming of the Sheenans, book three? I'm happy to. Um, and there's a great summary on like the second to last page. Uh, th- Christmas this year. I think this was the best Christmas ever because, <laughs> because everybody was here because Christmas this year was a whole week long. How do you figure that? Day one, kidnapping you and TJ from the church. <laughs> day this two, is actual dialogue from... Day two, explore Cherry Lake. Day three, oh, movie and Christmas shopping. Day four, snow fun. Day five, Christmas Eve. Day six, Christmas. Day seven, everybody here with us. Aw. Okay, so the plot is... <laughs> this is the worst book ever. The plot is... It's so weird. A woman is about to get married to an obvious douchebag named Lawrence. And her name is McKenna, the name of exactly yes. no one I've ever met. Uh, and McKenna is... Uh, well, why am I starting with her? Obviously. I was going to say. Right. Wow, yeah. I, I guess I'm identifying with her, guys. She definitely represents oh, Jesus. me. No, not at all. Uh, there is a, uh, a hot convict named Trey, <laughs> who is let... A dangerous, dark, and handsome man. Who's a, who's a great fighter and a great driver. Impulsive. And he was let out of prison. <laughs> Can build a fire. He was let dangerous. out of prison a year early on good behavior. Picked up by his, shopper. his brother, Troy. Grew his up on a ranch with Troy. his twin brother. So yeah. Trey... They also hard, a- hard-working men, they know how to birth a calf. So and they know how to fight. Guys, I'm, d- I'm doing. Sorry, it. I'm doing. It. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Troy tells Trey 
Three. These are all fragments of actual sentences, by the way. Like, we're not making these up. These are actual descriptions that are given. All right, continue. Sorry. Troy tells Trey that he happens to have been let out of prison the day before his baby mama is getting married to the aforementioned douchey Lawrence, played by <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Ben Stiller in Reality Vets. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. And yes. The, so, obviously, Trey goes to the wedding, and he objects in front of everyone, and then there's an inexplicably like five chapters of Trey and Whoa, McKenna God. arguing in the parking lot. And well, they have a son. We forgot that they have a they five-year-old have a son, son named TJ. So named Trey, TJ. Yeah. So TJ was born before he went to prison, and then after, after little, two years, McKenna gave that, up and stopped visiting him in prison. And, and Trey's the wondered a little what hazy. Since. It's a little hazy because baby TJ is five, but. The guy's been in prison for four years, and he didn't... Uh, go ahead. It just... It doesn't make sense. Uh, so well, that's where the plot so ends, basically. TJ, yeah. <laughs> as soon as they start arguing in the parking lot for, like, 20 pages, that's when I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, why is this so long? And then, uh, basically, TJ wants to spend Christmas with his father to get away from Ben Stiller and Reality Bites. And then, so obviously, Trey has to kidnap both TJ and McKenna and there's a lot of logic leaps here because it it has to seem badass enough for it to be like hot and cool but also not a criminal act so it right. doesn't really which therefore removes all the suspense um and that's then they, the part I couldn't get over right. I couldn't get over how often this book did that kind of bullshit it sets the parameters of like an exciting story or an ex- interesting character and then completely underlines it so it's like, well, it's because oh, he's an ex-con who's dangerous and has been in fights. And then, like, halfway through the book, you find out, well, he actually was defending, a, he was punching a guy who was beating his wife. So you're like, right. so you're a hero. And I was like, you why did this guy... guy go to jail at all? That doesn't exactly. make sense. It's right. like, and then like, oh, I'm kidnapping you and TJ, but she actually calls her husband and breaks up with him 10 minutes after they drive out of the parking lot. So she's more... There's no drama. Room. There's no kidnapping. So it's like every, <laughs> no st- everything that this book sets out to be interesting or like extreme or anything is completely undermined within Gone. like the... Yes, it's the dumbest, dumbest thing I've ever... Oh. And, 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 and McKenna uh, does not want to get back involved with Trey because Trey is a bad boy. Leading all the way from... His near rape of her when she was fifteen. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's let's not forget the near rape of her when she was fifteen. <sighs> uh, in sort of a Luke and Laura twist. Um, but McKenna breaks up with Lawrence in a diner. But while she's breaking up with Lawrence on the phone in the diner, TJ disappears for a page. But then yes. he's behind the dumpster, <laughs> and Trey finds him. Oh, he's a hero. <laughs> they get back into the truck. They drive to an isolated cabin and have Where Christmas they shop together. And, have and Christmas. they go shopping. They shop, chop down a tree, and hang out for three days, and we have to read about it. It doesn't make any like, There's no... It doesn't make any sense. And then she shows up in, like, you know, scantily clad men's clothing, of course, with, like... Right. And, they, and he checks her out. And then you learn all their backstory about why there's no conflict and there's no reason that these two people shouldn't be together because he really shouldn't have gone to jail because he's not a bad person. He's actually a complete hero, awesome dude. And then she has this weird murder backstory. Like her whole family was massacred. So you basically learn that she was this complete victimized, like uh, traumatized 15-year-old that he took advantage of because he was dangerous and kind of creepy and she was attracted to that because she likes darkness after yeah, so, so her family was murdered. Yeah, so so McKenna, our, 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 the, the woman that uh, Julia is supposed to identify with. Um, As a woman. McKenna is the survivor, one of two survivors of an inexplicable on the prairie home invasion murder where her entire family was wiped out. Yeah. And yet, there's really no exploration. I'm assuming that has to do with other books, right? Like, there's a, there's a couple of in- inferences to, like, other characters that I think are, or other oh, events man. that are, that are you know, it, it, the taming of the Sheenans book one, <laughs> I'm assuming. Which is called Christmas on Rocky Top Mountain or something. I, I, That's not I true. Looked it is up. it? 
It is. Oh my god, it is. I love it. See, that sounds like a Hardy voice mashup. This is just too. This is just too weird to me. Like, the the whole book seems to be trying to create a scene where we're sitting in a cabin and you know sipping eggnog and Christmas carols are being sung and like we're, we've recreated the American Norman Rockwell family dream, but in this like weird accidental torrid love affair way which just seems like a complete contradiction of terms it's like it can't be perfectly safe and cozy and christmassy and also a dangerous romance that we shouldn't be having and so the book keeps jumping back and forth between like creating conflict and then minimizing it and then creating more conflict and then and you're just like just fucking get it over with and like even even book, the f- book the, one if i may if i may interrupt yeah. book one is Christmas at Copper Mountain, Brock Sheenan's story. Brock? See, Brock. Who's Brock? Yeah, I don't remember Brock. <laughs> of course there's a guy named Brock somewhere. <laughs> Wait, what's number no, two? Uh, book two is The Tycoon's Kiss, Troy Sheenan's story. Oh, that's his twin brother. Yeah, book three is the one we read, and book four is Taming of the Bachelor, Dylan Sheenan's story. Although... Dylan spelled D-I-L-L-I-O. So it's interesting it's all about the men, right? Like, the man is the... They're four bad brothers. Right, four bad brothers. Sounds like one's rich, one's dangerous, one lives on Copper Mountain, and one won't settle down. (laughs) (laughs) So to go back to something you were saying just a second ago, Ryder, the the whole juxtaposition of things, it's not only that he's dangerous, uh, Trey, he spent four years in the federal penitentiary on a manslaughter beef. So he's coming out and he's got all this stuff in his head because he spent four years in hell after, you know, being in the federal pen. He, he doesn't seem to me to be the kind of guy who can come out of the pen, just be ready to jump into the family situation. But McKenna, after two days, she's tamed him. Well, yeah, she's tamed him. <laughs> she's tamed him. Here's the thing. But how? I yeah, yeah she, she doesn't do anything by wearing a she by wearing a flannel along. shirt and no panties apparently exactly. chapter ten. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that it's not as crazy that someone would come out of prison and want to get back with their family as it is that it doesn't deal with her like profound psychological trauma from her whole right. family being murdered. I mean, like that's weird. This is. It's like in cold lifting a weird character out of In Cold Blood and putting them into a cheesy romance novel. It's very strange. But back to the flannel. I was surprised. What <laughs> flannel in this? Oh, no. She shows up in, yeah, she has no clothes except her wedding dress. So she ends up putting on a men's man's flannel shirt. And like, it, it's, she spends a lot of time at the cabin in a man's flannel shirt. But the thing is, like, I was surprised how non-sexual this mostly was like it was a family yeah. like the okay so the question of who There's is this god book undercurrent for, too yeah that's what i was who is this book it's for like, it seems to be for this is quite literal but like single moms like middle-aged moms like someone to care for their child who like really loves them so. and that's yeah. a weird but who's also dangerous and edgy and protective and, can and fight, heroic right. and can fight it's like such yeah. a bizarre set of desirable traits that this book has laid out. And that's what I kept being, I kept being like, wow, this is a bestseller or this is, you know, this is a story that, that speaks to a huge swath of the American, I'm assuming female populace. And that was just astounding. Like, I I just, I, I don't know. It's one of those things like, right, this is a, I mean, this is a set of fantasies, right? Like the romance novel is a certain type of fantasy for a reader, the way that like spy novels function for another type of reader. Um, right. Where it's like, you get to live out your sort of, you know, your n- life is really important because you're secretly part of a government agency or you're a detective solving a crime. Like it makes your higher stakes. But for what's interesting to me about romance is that the stakes are so um, unextraordinary in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, it's just like the goal is, cozy fireplace in a cabin and like a manly man who can chop firewood for you but you know but i i I guess i'm just not the audience for that i just was so my brain kept being like what why does this exist like who wants this (laughs) or why doesn't this i don't know i share your confusion because here's what i think is and i mean i think 
we've said this before. I've heard this said many times before. It's almost a cliche. Like any good book, any good story is a mystery in a sense. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to have something driving you to turn the page, a problem to solve or some unknown factor. But it seems to me that, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but it is a strange <laughs> genre that there is no mystery. But you that's know, what you I kept... know. Right. That's, and I thought but there's a guy. I was waiting there's for also... a shootout at the cabin. Like, I thought there would be yeah. some plot. Right. I thought the like, sheriff was going to come yes. and get him, and he'd have to fight, and she'd have to stand in front of him and say, no, I did this on my own. Exactly. I'm the kidnapped bride, but I right. want to be here. Because they set that up. Like, that's why I thought, right. like, oh, this is actually... And, and I thought I that's mean, the way romance novels worked. But they they completely destroy any plot when she just makes a couple phone calls and everything's fine. And we know that she doesn't... And then they just go shopping. And they just go hang out. <laughs> so much of the book thing. is devoted... So much of the book is devoted to, to Christmas shopping. Shop. And to describing what the toys are. <laughs> It was, I mean, more attention is given to Christmas shopping yes. in this book than to, and this is a, a weird fucking turn, I just want to note, more than when Trey, while driving to Christmas dinner with uh, McKenna and TJ, pulled off to the side, dives into a frozen lake, saves a, mom saves and a, a woman baby. and a child. Okay, so that... <laughs> blew my mind and that's why this book is truly horrific is because you know nothing has been happening for this is like 70 percent of the book 80 percent of 80 percent of the book you're reading it and you're like wow they started this kidnapped bride plot then they completely destroyed that and then we had to sit there and read for you know more than half the book about them shopping and and building fires and and giving christmas presents to their little kid like okay and and so i was like well this is all gotta be to set up that he dies Tragically, right. mm -hmm. in a shootout when Lawrence, you know, shows up with a gun and goes crazier, or something that in, it has some connection to the character or what has been happening. But no, instead, they're just driving home and a car had run off the road, and Trey, being Superman, superhero, awesome female fantasy, dark brooding guy, jumps into the lake and saves the day. Apropos of nothing, survives perfectly fine. <laughs> And then they get to go home and finish the Christmas. It's like, so they, she, the author clearly felt the need for some excitement, something to happen, but decided to divorce it from anything that had happened previously and to just reaffirm that he's a Superman. It's the weirdest thing. And I just want to know, like, I really want to know if any of our listeners have read romance books, if they all are, well, I don't know. Have either of you no. read more romance books? Like, no, not all of them do this. I mean, like, you know, I have, um, we have a very good friend uh, who is a best-selling romance writer, and she is way too smart and way too gifted as a writer to have such improbabilities, I would presume, having never read her books. I don't know. Well, I think... I tried I mean, to... I, only... I explained this plot to Wendy, and she was like, yeah, that sounds about right. And then I was thinking... Do, I don't know if either of you do this, but Hallmark has, like... 30 days of Christmas movies mm. and someone in my house likes to watch them. And so invariably I get sucked into It's you, isn't it? It's Wendy. It invariably gets sucked mm. into watching Candace Beret fall in love with the wrong guy and then be saved by a guy named Nick. Um, but and, they have you know, more of a plot than this, right? They have more of a plot than this. Yeah. Right. It's usually, you know, dad owns Christmas town it's going under what seems like a charming banker wants to help save it, but really he has ulterior motives. Yeah, see, that's and what I the guy, yeah, I mean, there Sweet was no... Valley High had more plot than this. Like, Sweet Valley High had yes. the whole, like, the town is being, or whatever, what was happening to it? The high school was going to be gone? Like, they were going to destroy it for a condo? There was, some, right. there was some plot, some semblance of a plot. Nancy Drew, obviously, is a mystery, has a plot. But, like, this is, like, I, this was just, like, looking at a Norman Rockwell painting. Which is just such a yeah. weird yeah. thing to just... Well, my only touchstone for romance, I don't think I've ever read a real current romance novel. Although I did read, I met Sandra Brown and I read like parts of her work. And she was like, her writing was like rich with detail and not... it. This had the double whammy of just really weak writing and no plot. So that's... Uh, hurtful. So I think there are romance that's writers who are definitely that's a, to my that's a microaggression. That that's, is, I, <laughs> this is not a safe place. Okay, so so I, uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean I think there are. I'm sure there are romance writers who are much better writers. 
Um, but God, I hope so. Anyway, my only real touchstone for romance is, you know, is Pride and Prejudice no. a romance no. novel? Or is I mean, I how guess. about Wuthering Heights? No, you got this is, category romance is something entirely different. I mean, these these are books that these authors put out one every six months or one every three months in some cases. I mean, this book was only 150 pages long. I mean, she had, um, like, I feel like I've said this about a book recently. She wrote this in three days, right? Like, there's no way anybody spent more than three days writing this. Let's talk briefly about the lack of romance and sex and the strange reliance on God. Um, yes. So well, there's... I don't think the God thing is that weird. It, it, it really? It was weird uh, to me because there's like there's it was angel weird to me. figurines throughout. And then the last sentence is something about God. Yes. Like, what? what? Because after all, what God had brought together, no man could tear asunder. Uh, even if that uh. man is a uh, murdering, kidnapping, <laughs> great driver superhero. <laughs> I... There's a there's a lot in this book about Trey being a fantastic driver, like he's Elvis in a racing movie. Well, that's all the gender issues. That's what like every he's he's an amalgamation of like every stereotypical manly man thing. And like Lawrence, poor Lawrence is completely demeaned throughout for the fact that he Larry. like Larry Lawrence would never fight for me. Lawrence wasn't a good father to TJ. It was like yeah, he kind of was. Like, first of all, you're the you're the woman with like an ex-con and a son, and this is an awesome dude who's providing for you. And the other thing is like, where does Trey get all his money? Because he just has a shitload of cash. <laughs> no. And at one point, I was thinking this at one point, she has no money. She has nothing. And at one point, there's a sentence where she says rain. he thrusts a wad of cash into her hand and says, "Go shopping." And I was like, he's the ultimate like male fantasy. He's like the the dude Dude who is also able to like chop wood and drive a car, but he can just hand out cash, even though he's been in jail for five years. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> he he's the only guy to roll out of jail with just like just like cash. Out of and then he has a suit, like a Johnny Cash black suit, that he shows up and it's like, sorry, I'm so oh, damn well, sexy be, and have all this To be money. fair, to be fair, the the, the dope black suit is actually his tr- twin brother Troy's oh, suit. And I. I thought I for that... sure, by the way, that because he has a twin brother, that after the kidnapping, he would try to pretend that he was Troy so as to evade right. the police. you were assuming that there would be a plot, that there would be a story. Right. Right. That was my fatal error. <laughs> hey, so, I, I, talking about the manliness, like this really does bother me because we have a huge problem in our culture with, you know, different masculinities and what they think about women and like uh, one big problem that is not discussed enough is like nerdy nice boys who are like really resentful of women because they think they only want this like strong totally. you know strong type and like anything that's reinforcing that and saying that nice ordinary men are terrible boring people is just so upsetting and they're, they're primarily so bad awful. because they aren't good in bed and right. they you know and they just aren't dangerous enough they don't like, fight. They, yeah, you need to be able to fight. Yeah. And, and that's why it's really dangerous that this character of Trey isn't dangerous. Like, he, you know, like the fact that the, the book softens all the edge away from this romantic male. Like, I was interested in the idea of, like, oh, if, if this book is going to be a cautionary tale about the dangers of the bad boy, you know, like, if a guy gets out of prison and shows up in your wedding and tries to kidnap you, probably not a great dude. But the fact no. that the book ends up making him a great dude, it's like you, you, you're having your cake and eat it too. And that's it. That's where I was so fascinated by what this fan... It's like this fantasy that is one type of fantasy, the dangerous masculine guy, and then another fantasy, the super safe family, combined perfectly. It's like I, you can't have both of those things. Or if you can, it seems like, like you're saying, kind of a dangerous thing to reinforce because... Chances are she's damaged goods if that's what she's looking for, and it's probably not great for her. He's probably an abusive fuck in real life. Like Lawrence, you know, he she she's probably gonna fuck up their kid. I don't like. I much rather. I, I want to rewrite like, the book from Lawrence's perspective. I, I I'd like to just read a section if I could. Yeah. Yes, let's. Um. So this is the point at which Trey has jumped out of the car and dived into the frozen lake. This is from McKenna's point of view. There were moments engraved in one's memory, moments that became memories, both wonderful and horrifying. Hmm. The time Trey spent underwater was endless. The actual time could have been seconds, minutes, but it felt like a lifetime. 
McKenna saw a lifetime of memories and moments with him in high school, after school, working, loving, fighting, conceiving TJ, struggling, loving, missing, suffering. Life with Trey could be difficult, but life without him was impossible. Life without him wasn't like living at all. And this, this thing he was doing, was exactly what she feared most. She hated the reckless, dangerous Trey. Hated that he had so little regard for his own life. Hated that he could just abandon her and TJ without a second thought. A second glance. He's Hated that one person somebody. she needed most didn't need her the same way. Don't stop me, Ryder. It's getting good. If he loved them, he wouldn't jeopardize his family. But in the very same moment, she knew that he did what he did. Took these incredible, incredible risks because he had heart. His strength was a gift. His courage set him apart. He was brave and foolhardy, but weren't all protectors that way? This was the point at which I was like, I'm going to put my head through a fucking window. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I, I just could take it. But point. here's the thing. I, I agree with you. I think the key, though, to the fantasy is right in there, is the idea of heart, is that people stand up for something and mean something. And I bet that is the one thing that is translatable to thousands of books. You know, this could, you could lift that paragraph and put it into a romance novel about a fireman or whatever, every other, like, hot fantasy, I guess. But it's not a simple so, hot fantasy. Like, it's not like she desires a heroic dude and and goes after and gets him it's that there the, the book is also trying to say she shouldn't desire this dude like that right there's something dangerous yeah. and scary about masculinity and and there's something that she can never understand and therefore she should just succumb to it and be passive to his ferocious uh you masculinity. know masculinity and that's like that is a really that's a pretty horrible idea. Like that's that's nonsense. You know, that's that gender. I mean, the, the it's the equivalent of saying like she should just be pretty and keep her mouth shut and be passive and raise the that, child. That's exactly and, what it is, right? And also that, the same way the same way that the book rationalizes her virginity, like the fact that she hasn't. Oh my Larry, god, is so oh. tricky to me. I was like, wait, she's about to marry this guy. She wasn't a virgin before. She has a kid, and Larry she's put re-virginized not... herself. Yeah, exactly. The book found has... a way to re-virginize her so that when they have sex in this book, it's like a Christmas miracle baby making, you know, and then it ends with them making babies. Yeah, I didn't oh, right. think about I it. Forgot but, about that. Part. Yeah, James Porter is because yeah, it ends with them like maybe there be a brother or sister for TJ, and God looked down on them and smiled. Like that's the way the uh, book ends. It's pretty. I believe the words were. I think we made a Christmas memory, and if we're lucky, Ew. a Christmas baby. Oh God! Pull my hair back. Oh my God! I loved reading this book. I loved it. Oh my God! I just I mean, because luckily it's mercifully short. So you know what I did? I got I bought the book, but I also bought the. The Audible enabled. So I read half of it and then I had to run some errands yesterday. So I was driving around and listening to it in the car for like the equivalent of 20 pages maybe. And uh, it's actually read quite well. But but I, at one point I was driving and they were talking and I literally said out loud to myself, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it just seems like a story you could tell, and like I said before, in a couple sentences. But there's a, there's and a I, there's also a Christ like idea that Trey rises from the dead to save the people. Like he's come out of toil, he comes back. He's the devil. I don't know the Bible really well. He's the devil. Wait, she actually calls him a fallen angel. She yes, says you're because because there's this whole angel thing where she's. She they when they first met in high school she was selling oh, right. brass angels and he had to buy twelve of them in order to get her to go parking with him which you know meant that they were gonna go fuck um, and she's necking. Necking. no but she says like we're basically gonna have sex okay a hand job she's gonna get a he's gonna get a hand job she, and, and the thing is she's never done anything before but when Trey not. walks up well, on Trey her she's like up, she wants do it. you want to hit this yeah oh god okay all, and then one of the and worst then scenes. he buys her this you know angel gold angels with a montana sapphire in it for her christmas that's like her main christmas gift um and then she says that you know he was her fallen angel 
Oh God, it's so intense. Can can we just look at that? I think Ryder loved. It. I oh, did. We well, because I felt like it was. It's sort of like watching videos of Donald Trump speeches. It's like you can't believe it's actually happening, and you can't believe that people are cheering along to it to such nonsense. That's the way reading this book was for me. It was like, oh God, am I this out of touch? Where you know, if this book has sold twelve million copies and people are reading it, and here I am as a creator of content, you know, writing scripts and trying to make film and tv shows like how am i misplaced like what am i missing about america and about the latent fantasies of american women in particular that this is such anathema to me and so disturbing and yet it is obviously satisfying to somebody in in so many ways and that's that that little you know that disconnect it's just it's 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 hard for me to wrap my head around and in can a weird we, way can we... fun can we just briefly jump to the point um, when uh, Trey corners her in the gym and reveals that he's been stalking her? Um, mm. So she's trying to sell him these angels, and he says... There's a flashback. What, what I, never fit yeah, there's a flashback. Or she was 15 and he was 18 or whatever. Yeah, which is gross. Um, and what would I do with a dozen angels, little girl? He asked. It's always great when a man calls a woman little girl. Um, and what would I do with a dozen angels, little girl? He asked, his voice low, husky, dangerous. He saw the flicker in her eyes and the tip of her tongue dart to wet her upper lip. He couldn't tell if she was afraid or intrigued. And then let's jump forward a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, she wants to go to the movies with him. And uh, she says, um, he says, I'm not a big movie guy. And she says, then we can skip the movie and just go park. She hadn't really said that, had she? For a split second, he couldn't breathe. You're 15, he said, voice strangled. I'm not asking to have your baby, McKenna said. Right, no Good. sense. Hand job on. Because you're not going to have my baby. He stared at her, baffled, fascinated, outraged, and wildly turned on. <laughs> you're out of control. I'm not, actually. I don't mess around. I've never even been kissed. She took a quick breath. Her smile unsteady, her confidence flagging. But I'd like to kiss you. Uh, nine seconds ago, she was informing him, "You're not going to impregnate me." Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? We know he will. We we we've seen into the future. He will impregnate her. So, I feel like we've, you know, sufficiently analyzed this book. So, here's my question for you guys. It's not a very festive what? book, by the way, for a Christmas book. No. Will you be reading the Copper Mountain one, the Tycoon one, or the Bachelor Baby Brother Dylan one? I'm frankly interested in the origin story. I, I might pick up <laughs> the first one. Do you think I it goes back up. to the murder at her her family ranch? How could it not? I mean, well, because obviously she doesn't include plots. Like, if there's a hint of a real story, she's going to avoid it. Like... If if the home invasion murder of her entire family is not referenced in book one, I question James Borders. This is the thing, fans. but hold on. But like, this is what I kept thinking about: it, is that I kept seeing those kinds of stories, right? That that this book was avoiding, and that's where I started to wonder: like, am I just am I hooked on a certain type of book that caters to a different fantasy? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's like, why do I consider this non-story? Is this a story? No story? But is there a no story, story for somebody? I, I agree. Like, I feel that way. But are we just marginalizing what is story for a lot of single women out there? Or No, no, some... no. Because just because you're a single woman doesn't mean you don't want plot. <laughs> I mean, there's literally no conflict. The, the conflict happens, and then within 10 pages, the conflict disappears because she calls her right. fiancé and says... I've, I've left you. So now right. they're just having Christmas. Now it's just right. having Christmas. the other thing that's missing... And they don't even is... have good sex. Yeah, <laughs> that's disturbing. Uh, it's hurtful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the other thing that's missing from this... I've that written I think a 9,000-word my... response piece about how hurtful this is. It'll be on the rumpus in the morning. So other, other shitty books share this writer and i think this is what what you're you might be getting at is like there's no character growth at all it's like we know exactly what's gonna happen in terms of their character from page one um and that i think to me is what's disturbing is no like reckoning with 
what you've done or or who you are but there's like a fake sense of that it's very hard to describe it's like a struggle that she's having that we know exactly how it's going to turn out um but that like a lack of character growth is present in other bad plotty kind of fictions so that's what it shares with other weak books i guess it's because the stakes are so low the consequences are so meaningless you know i mean if if all this happens so what i I mean that's that's the end thing is that but there are women who devour these books so there is a so what in the the answer to that is that this is satisfying a, a a huge reading population more of a reading population than you know Everything. quote unquote literary fiction is and uh, romance fiction sells like 10 times more than every other category exactly so what is well, that like, i thought thing. it was about sex like my here's my you know my assumption yeah. was that that romance novels were a way for respectable members of society who are not to to you know, frankly, have masturbation material. Like, to have, wow. like, fantasies... Now it got awkward. No, but you know what I mean? Like, I thought of romance novels as, like, the lonely housewife reading something that is, like, about sex. And that's why, like, right. Fifty Shades of Grey was a huge hit, was because it took that logical... They took that to its logical conclusion, which is extreme sex, and, like, that's why it was a big hit, is that it sort of satisfied the impulse behind romance fiction, Um but reading this, I was like, wait a minute, this is catering not to a sexual fantasy. This is catering to like a, a fantasy of masculinity and a fantasy of... of it's like of, the platonic ideals what yes. it caters to. And, and it was like this Christian version of it. And that's, yeah. it was just really weird to me. And, and it, 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 I don't know, like I'm, I'm, I'm more confused than ever about what the purpose of well, the genre I, is. I mean, I think that that's, that was less surprising to me than to you. I mean, like there's so many women who are in terrible relationships or have kids with people who won't marry them or are parents while they're while their partner's in prison i mean this is not an uncommon experience and and that's why the christian thing wasn't weird to me either it's like this is this isn't just a genre where we don't live in. This is a culture that the right. three of us don't spend right. a lot of time in. True. So that is none of the fact, the fantasy that you're describing is not surprising to me. Yeah. It's the, the plot, the inability to plot effectively around it. That is surprising. <laughs> you know what? That that plot doesn't matter in that. It's just like fantasy providing, you know, it's just like, because, uh, you because know, here's the fantasy. Uh, here's the fantasy. The uh, fantasy oh, is very simple. Scout's getting very upset oh. about it. Scout, calm down. <laughs> the <laughs> fantasy is peace. Like, right. so many women do not live in a peaceful situation. And they don't have any control over their money, their family, etc. Wow, so that's an interesting... That is... There's so many... You can't divorce this from the idea that women are in marriages they hate, they're domestically abused, right. et cetera, et cetera. So that's why there's no plot is because the fantasy is that your life does not have a plot. Like plot is fun in fiction. Plot is fucking horrible in real life. I've um You know what I mean? I I've gone and spoken to um romance writers conventions before. Uh particularly when I was writing Burn Notice because people found Michael Weston to be a romantic hero mm-hmm. and his relationship with Fiona to be a romance. Um, and, you know, these are... The people that go there are... Like, the the fans that are there are super ardent. I mean, just thousands and thousands and thousands of people go to this. So, it's certainly delivering something um, for the readers. But here's, here's the really, actually, super cool thing. Is that the romance authors, particularly the ones that I've seen at these, you know, Romance Writers of America things and my friends at Romance Writers of America... Um, their bond with their fans is intimate um and they are in conversation with their actual readers they know what their readers want i think in a way that people who write literary fiction could never even imagine i mean right because it's catering to like a sort of it's catering to them directly fantasy that everyone yeah and it's 
and it's it that's what they're doing they're providing like a, a sort of life service you know like here mm-hmm. here's the christmas you wish you could have in a cabin with the dude and you know the thing like we're <laughs> gonna... the guy who's just spent four years having being anally raped in his prison cell with, right you know, but no we you know you're not gonna let real reality intrude on that <laughs> you know it's like right. we're, we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna give you a fake reality where he comes out of prison but make it cool and like a fake reality where you got kidnapped on your wedding day Oh God, it's so interesting to me. I, it's very unusual. Yeah. Well, yeah. Merry Christmas um, from my uh, secluded prison camp holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a very weird book. So, um, yeah. So that was um, what was this? The kidnapped Christmas bride. The kidnapped Christmas bride, book three of the Sheenan saga. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend highly it. Recommend too. it. Well, I'm going to go for the tycoon one next because I want to see what unadulterated uh, fantasizing about being with somebody super rich, how that reads. Yeah. I think that would be pretty that crazy. Was what 50 yeah. Was, right? Wasn't he supposed to be super rich in that? Yeah, you're right. Oh, man. I saw that movie that Darn night. it. It is. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, to the listeners out there, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We appreciate you guys bringing us into your homes every year to tell us for us to tell you our terrible opinions on stuff what's our holiday wish for our listeners guys um mm. Mm. It's sort of dark I, don't really... I, I wish that they i wish that everyone is given a book that they actually that's like that's exactly what i was gonna say that's and, a good one and also that you can that you give the right book to somebody that they'll actually read do you know what i mean because yes. i feel like i often yeah. give books and then i never hear about it again because i chose rough poorly um, so if you're giving books this holiday season, I hope you have good luck with actually handing it the right one to somebody. And that if you're celebrating Christmas with your family, you have not recently been abducted um, in order to do so. I mean, I think right. we can all agree about that. Um, so ha- Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody, from your friends at Literary Disco. We'll see you in uh, in 2016.